Welcome to A Legacy of Generosity, a podcast produced by the Leave a Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. You'll hear lessons learned, trends, and best practices from experienced gift planning professionals to help you succeed in increasing legacy gifts for your organization. We are grateful to our sponsors, the Minnesota Initiative Foundations. To learn more about the work they do, visit greaterminnesota.net. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, I'm Allie Schneider, and we're here today with my co-host, Christy Ackley, and our guest, Susan Rostkowski. Susan has experience as a donor, volunteer, and fundraiser in the nonprofit world. It is because of this unique perspective that we have asked her to join us on the podcast today. Allie, I'm so excited to have Susan with us. Strengthening our relationships with our donors is so important, and I'm really excited to hear Susan's view from both sides. Yes, this is going to be a great episode, so let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you so much. I'm both honored and excited to be talking with you today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Susan. Would you be so kind just to share a little bit more about your background with our listeners? Of course. Um, My career actually started in the hospitality industry in the large corporate setting. Um, Did that for better than 20 years um, and got a good perspective on how that all works, but knew that um, at a certain point I wanted to be able to move into nonprofits. Um, When I did, I had some expertise in communications and that sort of thing and ended up being a fundraiser um, for an organization that I stayed with for 21 years um, and loved being there. It was a wonderful, amazing experience. And even though I semi-retired several years ago, I'm still working for a small nonprofit, uh, or a small for-profit company, rather, um, that works solely with nonprofits. Uh, So I'm still doing fundraising for our clients and really enjoying that aspect. So as someone who's been a fundraiser um, and someone who's donated their time and money, what did you become involved with first? Were you a donor or a fundraiser first? Well, actually, I was an employee. (laughs) I, of course, in my corporate life had checked off the boxes to give to nonprofits, and I did do some volunteering and so forth. But as I changed my career path, I became an employee at an organization that um, turned out to be near and dear to my heart. And as I was employed there, I became more involved as a donor. And my job that I learned on the job was fundraising. So um, having the experience of being an employee first and being able to see both the donor end and the fundraiser end was really quite the experience for me. That is awesome. I don't think a lot of people get that experience. So what? how unique for you to be able to do that. Absolutely. Now, as you started to support other organizations, become donors in other places, what types of things made you want to support more through your time and your money? First and foremost, it's always the mission. The, the missions that appeal to both my heart and my head. 
usually it's the heart first and then learning about the organization, how they carry out their mission, um, and how their mission is lived out day to day. Mm. Um, sometimes there can be a disconnect between the stated mission and how things are going on the ground. So the places that I support are the ones that are congruent there um, and that no, nobody is left out of the mission in the organization. Out of curiosity and maybe just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, what are maybe like your top five or three organizations that you have given to over the years? Well, I have to start with Animal Humane Society, of course. <laughs> That's become incredibly important to me over the last, I would say, 10 years. Greater Twin Cities United Way is has been a biggie for me for a long time because I started out in my corporate life checking off the box that said, yes, I'll give through um, payroll deduction. Okay. But as I learned more about that organization, uh, I wanted to be involved there as well. A um, place called Neighborhood House, uh, Human Services Agency in St. Paul. That's where I worked, uh, and I saw the, the integrity uh, there that made me want to be part of that. Um, and I have about <laughs> two dozen others <laughs> that I am involved in to a greater or lesser degree um, that I... I can't say no I won't do that because the mission is so important gotcha and just to give our our listeners a little bit of um insight Allie works for the animal humane society wait yes yeah (laughs) society yeah um we we introduced ourselves at the beginning of this podcast but we don't always tell you guys about our backgrounds when we're on the shows. So um, for those of you that maybe had didn't listen to some of those earlier episodes, that's, that's why we all chuckled when Susan said that. <laughs> <laughs> so with being involved with all these organizations, Susan, um, can you tell us anything that they have done to make you feel valuable or connected as a supporter? Interestingly, I think it's the details. Um, um, such things as um acknowledging gifts that i send not not everybody's very good at doing that um recently i had a milestone birthday and one of the requests was to send money to animal humane society and neighborhood house um and i received from those folks almost immediately after the gifts were given a list of who had given. Um, it's a small detail that someone had to attend to, but mm-hmm. it was meaningful to me because probably three of the people on that list were people I was having a breakfast with in the coming weeks. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure to be able to thank them, and one was one that I did not know had given. So attending to small details like that I think can be really important. Um, yeah, that's. It, it seems like I I know that we have to have the big mission and the big the plan and all of those things. But sometimes it's those little details that can differentiate one organization from another. Oh, that's absolutely. awesome to hear. Yeah, absolutely. 
So taking that just a little bit further, I'm sure that in all of the organizations that you've supported, you've been recognized before, um, you know, maybe put on donor walls, kind of the typical things that we expect to see in a, in a recognition plan. But have there been times where you've had really meaningful recognition or a thank you gift or some kind of acknowledgement um, that still sticks with you that you're like, wow, that just really made me feel seen when they when they thanked me in that way? Or I think to tell you the truth, it's been more the consistency mm-hmm. than that mm-hmm. special time. Although I do realize how important it is when I walk into, say, an event that one of the organizations is having, that someone there know who I am. Um, Not in the way of saying, look at me, do you know who I am? But (laughs) simply saying, even if they've said, oh, yes, I've seen your name. Or, oh, yes, I understand that you volunteer, even if we've never met before. Um, So knowing about me as a person, um, knowing when I walked into an Animal Humane Society Legacy Society event, um, someone had put a little cat drawing by my plate. Turned out to be, it was one of the board members who I didn't even know she was a board member. She and I had worked together separate from the Humane Society. Uh, she put a little cat by my plate because I'm so fond of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's <laughs> sorry to repeat this, but it's going back to those little details that make you feel like, I, like I'm being effective and having an impact on the organization. That's so great to hear because I think sometimes we might shy away if we don't, even if we recognize someone or recognize their name, but don't specifically know them very well, we might shy away from talking to them or just saying hi. So I think that's great to hear that even that little kind of, oh yeah, I've seen you on this list of legacy circle donors might be really impactful to someone. So thank you for sharing Well, Something else just popped into my head. I came to an informational event at the Golden Valley location Um, and as I walked in, I, I do know Janelle Dixon, uh, mm-hmm. who heads up the Humane Society. And she looked up and saw me, and there was an empty seat next to her, and she patted the seat next to her, like, come over and sit with me. Mm-hmm. That meant so much, <laughs> because I know <laughs> she's busy, there were lots of people in the room. It was just one of those unexpected gestures that was very meaningful to me at that point. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. I, I have to say about the name thing that that's really helpful for you to share that, Susan. In my past life, I was a career counselor in the U.S. Navy. And oh. part of my role was managing, you know, one of the places I was, I managed 3,000 um, sailors' careers, you know, knew when they needed oh to take tests and when they needed to do all these things. So... I'm really good at remembering names and would people would come into the office the first time ever that they'd come into our office and they'd say their name and I'd remember them from something. And they'd always look at me like I was a stalker or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So carry that into my fundraising world. I have been worried if I didn't know somebody, if I saw their name, I wouldn't necessarily say that I recognize their name because I had that past life kind of 
Mm-hmm. So that's you just freed me so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely to hear. Thank you. Thank you. Now, there's my father at one time said, "There's nothing that any of us likes to hear so much as our name." Mm, um, right. So yes, well, that's glad awesome. to help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So going into kind of. Um, your experiences as both a donor and a fundraiser or working for a nonprofit. Can you talk about both sides of it, Susan, and good and bad experiences good and bad experiences that you've had as a donor and a fundraiser? Uh, yes. Um, starting we'll start with the bad part first and end with the good part. <laughs> um, partially because the good part is the converse of what the bad part is. Um, One fundraiser that I stopped meeting with um, never asked me about anything going on in my life, Mm. Um, never seemed to pay attention to anything that I did manage to get into the conversation it's unfortunate, but the person was seemed so intent on saying what they wanted to say about the organization, and I get that, believe me, as a, as a fundraiser, I get the importance of telling all the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. But this particular person couldn't stop talking, mm-hmm. and <laughs> as a fundraiser myself, I know how important it is to listen to the donor regardless of whether they're talking about whether what you want to talk about or not, mm-hmm. um, listening to them, making them feel heard and understood. Um, I met with this person <clears throat> three different times and finally started to say no. Um, and I did explain to this person why I was not meeting any longer. Um, and I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish I had done it after meeting one instead of meeting three, uh, because she was pretty startled. Um, Mm. and you know, we parted on decent terms. I'm sure she doesn't like me very much anymore, but, but as both the donor and the fundraiser, um, I wanted to be visible in that conversation too. Mm -hmm. The converse of that, of course, is... There are some excellent listeners out there, people who pick up on cues about what I'm saying. Um, When I retired or semi-retired from Neighborhood House, I went out to lunch with one of their fundraisers, and she, before we even talked about money's anything, she said... You know, I know you're retiring now, and I don't want to assume anything, but I also realize that from a financial standpoint, this may be a big change for you. So please let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Oh, and wow. that's, all she, that's all she said. She didn't oh. need to dwell on it, <laughs> but she acknowledged the changes that were coming about in my life. And... For me, at least, I thought that was a very sensitive, she didn't dwell on it, but I thought it was a very sensitive thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's a great lead in, Susan, to thinking about some of the conversations we need to have as um, legacy type fundraising conversations, you know, those planned gifts and that, that yes. sensitivity that goes around some of those conversations. Have you ever been approached by a fundraiser and talked about planned giving or your legacy? Um, oh, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, because I have a lot of organizations that I donate to on a regular basis, I get begin to get the planned giving letters after a couple of years um, of giving to these organizations. Um, and interestingly, uh, e- even though some of them are local, I often don't get any sort of follow-up, even when I have sent maybe a paper back saying, yes, I'm interested. Huh. Um, I don't get follow-up. Um, hmm. National organizations, same thing. Um, I've sometimes sent a form back twice and never hear from anyone. The lovely thing is the Humane Society is, I think, really, really good about making sure to follow up at appropriate times, not badgering people, Hmm. but certainly following up to say, do you have any questions? Doing imaginative things like using volunteers to make some of those calls to say, hey, I'm a volunteer um, and this has really been important to me. Do you need to talk about anything? Is there anything we should know? So um, other other places, I ended up on the planned giving committee at Greater Twin Cities United Way <laughs> Be- because, because of uh, the relationship that was built with the person who is responsible for the planned giving activities of United Way. It's a person I've known for a long time. He talked to me repeatedly about United Way uh, planned giving. And so I ended up on their committee. That's awesome. And thank you for the very nice words about Animal Humane Society. We're very proud of our everything we do. Um, when you talk about your legacy and including an organization in your estate plans, that's a, it's a very significant step from an annual donor or individual giving to including a nonprofit organization in your estate plans. What made you decide what places to include or even to include a nonprofit in your estate plans? That decision was um, a long time coming for each of the organizations that I have in my estate plan. It's, it's an accumulation of things, I think. And I think it's what makes planned giving work um, sometimes difficult for fundraisers because we are often in the mode of needing money for the organization now to make sure that our mission is met. But over time, you begin to see like I said earlier, that the, the mission of the organization is being carried out, not just one year, not just two years, but five years, seven years, ten years. The mission is being carried out, and the organization itself has an ethical standard 
about how they are operating. And for me, those two things are critically important. Um, if I have to search around for whether you're doing your mission or whether there are good ethics going on in the background, that tells me something. So it's it's a matter of, unfortunately for planned gift officers, <laughs> um, taking a lot of time and making, frankly, making comparisons to other organizations. Mm. Um, sometimes there's a standard in one organization that I look at another one and say, gee, I wonder why organization B doesn't do the same things that organization A is in terms of how they're operating. So there is a comparison there at times uh, mm. to help me guide. It isn't the sole criteria, but to help me guide my decision about that. And as a follow-up, what made you decide to tell the organizations that you had included them in your state plans? Interestingly, I had to be very sure because I didn't want to say, yes, I'm all excited about this. I'm going to put you in my plans. And then three years later, think, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't want to be in that position. I wanted to be as sure as I could possibly be that this was the an organization that was going to go into my estate plan and stay there. So thus, thus part of the delay as well in making that decision and notifying the organization. And two of the organizations that I did that with never acknowledged me. So Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I'm, well, and after some thinking about it for a long time, I thought, you know, I care about their mission, so I will give to their annual fund. Mm -hmm. but. Um, I'm changing my plans about planned giving. Mm. Wow. Those organizations really, uh, that was definitely a fail on their part, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, and it was so disappointing for me because they're organizations whose missions I really, I really value. But, um, to, to know how important that decision is to an individual giver, this is not something people do lightly. Mm -hmm. It's a right. very serious thing in my mind. I mean, I have my, my attorney um, involved to say, okay, here's who I want in, and here's how much I'm giving, either a percentage or a dollar amount. Um, so it was... It was sort of heart-wrenching for me. Yeah, I bet. Um, I tried my best to give them my planned gift. <laughs> and I have no idea. And this, and this didn't happen over one incident. Mm -hmm. uh, it was over a period of time again. But mm -hmm. I couldn't. I thought, well, you know, if I keep knocking at the door and nobody answers, maybe it's time to go knock on a different door. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think organizations need to recognize how important plan gifts are, especially because it will most likely be the biggest gift someone gives ever. So, Oh, by far, by far. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of trust that needs to be, you know, given in that case. And so, because not only is it the biggest gift, but you have no, 
no influence after it's given, right? Because mm-hmm. right, because right. you're gone. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So yes. you're you're really giving them a lot of trust. Um, yeah. And if that trust is broken, it's really hard to, to move forward then. So what I, but I do have to say that there are lots of organizations out there too, including animal humane society that do good work in that area. Um, and keep in touch over time so that it's not just, okay, we got your form. Yay. This is a good thing. But things like, um, the gathering that, that you've had in the past or um, people who are making calls just to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, really important to have that touch. So Susan, I hadn't planned on going down this, this trail, but um, it's just making me think about how much fundraisers turn over, right? And a lot of times yes. we come into a shop and we're taking over um, work that was done by somebody else prior to us, right? And so say somebody came into one of those organizations as a new fundraiser, um, one of those places that had broken your trust. Is there something that they could do to build that back up that that would make you reconsider and put them back into your legacy plan? I'm just thinking of our listeners who might be on, you know, listening right now going, well, shoot, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't do that. But I know that our past legacy givers haven't been acknowledged. What, what can I do now to rebuild that trust and to reconnect with them? Do you have any advice for them? You bet. Um, it's interesting. I, I have done some coaching of other <clears throat> folks in other organizations, uh, other fundraisers. And Typically, going into an organization where you haven't been before, a lot of the times um, what you study first is the major donors. Who is it that's giving the the larger amounts of money? And what I prefer is starting with the people who have been your longest-term donors, Mm -hmm. those people who are maybe only giving 100 bucks a year and yet have given it to you for the last 22 years, for example. (laughs) These are folks that are trying to say something and probably are your your legacy donors so to get back to your question um, what, going into an organization certainly reaching out and saying we may not have been as clear as we needed to be about how valuable your gift is we're sorry and we would love to make it up to you May I call you? May we have coffee? And if it's in a big national organization, that probably isn't going to happen. But just sending a letter to me saying, "We, oops, we slipped, the value in that, I had that happen one time, not over a planned gift, but over a gift that didn't get handled well. And I have to tell you, it went a long way toward mm-hmm. rebuilding that trust that you rightly say is so important. Mm-hmm. So are there other things that you learned um, as a supporter of organizations that helped you in your professional career? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Uh, um, understanding that the complication in all of this, and I'm making it sound like it's so straightforward, the complication is 
that not everybody values the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had one donor who at the time was sending us, I think it was $250 per quarter. Um, and as a new fundraiser, uh, I thought, oh my gosh, this is really a good thing. And reached out um, by telephone and didn't get anything back. And uh, but I did. We did increase the gift. The next time we got a gift, it was up to like three hundred and fifty dollars. So, being the good fundraiser I am, I sent a little note and finally another call. Never heard back from this person. Um, and eventually, the gift got up to seven hundred and fifty dollars a quarter. Wow. Um, but he also finally did return one of my calls and said would you please stop trying to get in touch with me? I'm going to give money to your organization anyway because I happened to use your organization when I was a younger person. Mm. But I do not need calls. I don't need letters. Please leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I was so stunned. I didn't know what to say. But remembering that not every supporter is going to be as straightforward as that gentleman was, And I learned a very valuable lesson. I was too often seeing a formula uh, for what I was supposed to do, supposed to in quotes, as a fundraiser that didn't fit his situation. So I think being Mm -hmm. sensitive to that was a good lesson for me. I love that. It's, I think your theme, Susan, is that it's all about the details. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, before we go, we like to ask every guest that we have this last question. What's the best advice you've ever received? And this doesn't have to be specific to fundraising or nonprofits. Since you let me know about that question ahead of time, it was interesting what popped into my head first. And it is about the fundraising end of things, but I think it's also about how you live your life. Um, I was fairly new at fundraising, sat down with the director of programs to talk over a grant I was writing. And I wanted to dazzle her, of course, with my grant writing because I was new. And she had read through what I had given her. And she sat up kind of straight, leaned forward and said to me, Susan, this ask is not about you. It's about the mission and about the people who are waiting for us to serve them. I had somehow gone for um, uh, perfection in the grant and missed the heart of why we were writing that grant and why I was doing the work I was doing. So it's not about me as a fundraiser. It's even not even, she said, about the organization needs something. No, the people who are depending on us are the ones who need something. Talk about them. Be their voice. Best advice I ever got. Wow. You, you gave me goosebumps with that. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, we all get so caught up in everything we need to get done every week and who we mm-hmm. need to reach out to and follow up with that you can definitely lose sight of that when you're a fundraiser. Yes, indeed, that's true. And I, like everyone else, got caught up. I'm not saying that I didn't, 
but I think it was a good early lesson mm -hmm. in, okay, if I'm spending all of these hours and all of this time, have I adequately represented the people who I'm speaking for? Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Susan. And that's it for our show today, folks. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or follow Leave a Legacy Minnesota on LinkedIn to be notified of our future episodes. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we hope you join us next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Legacy of Generosity podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. For show notes and access to other free educational content, visit leavealegacymn.org and click Resource Library. Consider joining us as a member of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association for Networking and Comprehensive Education. And connect with us on LinkedIn to share your feedback. Make it a great day.